My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're paramedics unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics unscripted. Welcome into Paramedics Unscripted. My name is Jason. I'm here with my co-host Bobby, and this is episode number nine. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Jason, how are you? I love the enthusiasm. We are excited here on Paramedics Unscripted. Uh, we wanted to talk to start off the day by talking about a topic we thought would be interesting to everybody to hear. Uh, most people hear about EMS and fire, and one of the most famous things we're known for is the shift work, which is way, way different than if you work at a bank or whatever other suck job you have, um, that you work nine to five. Uh, we get to work shift work, which means good or bad, we get to stay at work, usually for 24-hour shifts. Sometimes it's 12s, but most places in fire departments and counties and stuff like that are going to be 24-hour shifts um, or maybe a 48, some version of a 24-hour shift. Um, so we get to work very few days a month. Um, but as I had to explain to my wife early on, um, that doesn't mean that we, like where I worked, I worked 10 hours, uh, sorry, 10 days a month, 10 to 11 days a month, but you are catching up on sleep on the back half of those 24s a lot. So it ends up really being, you know, you're working 22 days or 20 days or 15 days or something like that when you add all that in. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. And yes, my enthusiasm is very high today. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because it, no. it, it's a lot of people don't understand that. Like they kind of, they're like, oh, you only work 10 days a month. How That's so freaking awesome, you know? And, uh, and it's like, yeah, it is. It's fun. When you get to sleep at night, it's fun, um, you know? But when you're up all night running these calls and you don't get any of that rest, you have to make it up sometime. And usually, unfortunately, that then eats into your break period, your four-day, your three-day, whatever you have going on afterwards. Well, I know we touched on this, I think, in the very first podcast, um, the, the, the different shift cycles and schedules. And um, for me, I remember I touched on when I uh, – I'm on a 24-hour shift now, but I used to be on a 48, a 48 hours on, 96 hours off, which is pretty badass. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That's an awesome shift. Yeah, but the, only, the flip side of that coin is if it's busy, 48 hours is a long time. And um, – you know, and plus, like you were just touching on, a lot of people think that you are like going balls to walls for 48 hours, you know, or you're, you're, you're up for, are you, you're not sleeping for 48 hours? It's like, no. Um, if we're not doing anything, you know, we're doing basically what we want. If we're not doing station chores, right. you know, we're basically doing what we would normally do in our own free time, just waiting for those bells or those tones to go off. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, it, it, it's, it's a, a, I know it's weird for people at first, especially for people who don't, who are not in this line of work, but you know, like for instance, with 48 hour shifts and I was basically there once a week, that's what it came out to. And uh, the way it was a constant 48 hours on and 96 hours off. And then at the end of the six week cycle, I would have 10 days off. And which they call Kelly days because it's basically just a shift of 
with a lot of departments to help control overtime because when you have a constant rotation, such as 48 hours on, 96 hours off, or 24 hours on, 48 hours off, um, at when that third or sixth week rolls around, you're getting into a huge overtime category the way your shift falls, and right. that's usually the day they give you off or they give you the option to have that day off. Right. And you could take, you know, in your job, you, at your location, you could work those days, correct, if you wanted to? Oh, yeah. That's, but, that's, the, uh, yeah that's, that's the option. Like, if, say, my Kelly day is coming up, my 48 hours that I would, you know, if my shift fell on that day, which is considered my Kelly day, which is that end of that six weeks, um, and they couldn't find anybody to fill it, or there was nobody to fill it. They would just give me the option if I wanted to work it, and then that's forty-eight hours of overtime. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You know, and, and now I'm on kind of the trimmed down version of that shift. Now instead of forty-eight hours on and ninety-six hours off, I'm on twenty-four hours on and forty-eight hours off. That's cool. Which too. is the same shift, it's just split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that leads. Oh, I have ahead. no complaints about now. I have no complaints. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. No, you're good. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I have no complaints now because, you know, 48 hours, I did that for a little over 10 years. And uh, that's, it's great, but when it's busy, it's long. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you're, yeah, when you're, yeah, I've had to do shifts. I only work 24-hour shifts where I worked, but um, I definitely had times when, you know, we would get held over or maybe it was a storm or something, one of those things like that. And when you're there for, let's say, a 48, uh, you're doing 24s, but you get held over for another 24, so now you're doing a 48 kind of like not expectingly um those shifts get rough like that second that and that was like for us i mean because we were so used to 24s when you got to hold over for another 24 um for our department our chiefs were they knew who was held over like you know like if you got mandatorily held over for overtime um they knew who that who those people were and you were allowed to sleep like pretty much all day like most of the time you have to do work from like where i worked like you know business hours like nine to five nine to four you had to do like or they or they call that Union time, right, right, yes. Yeah, so they call that they call that uh, union time comes after the workday, I guess. Yeah, technically, yeah, yeah. So, but you had to do so. You know, you're always like you're cleaning the station, you're washing apparatus, you're restocking, you're doing inventory, you're right doing paperwork. You always did that kind of stuff, just to kind of stay busy. And basically, they just didn't want you laying down. Um, it wasn't super strictly enforced, but you know that was kind of the golden rule there a little bit. But on those, if you got held over for other days, they're like, yeah, you. Could, do your little conference call in the morning and then you could sleep all day. And if you get no calls then good luck, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. And you're getting paid overtime yeah. to literally sleep. If it's not, you know, if there's, if there, if it's a low call volume that day. Yeah. Or you don't have like yeah. a lot of training and stuff. Cause we would sometimes have days where we tried to limit ours to once a tour and a, and a tour for us was three 24s. Cause we worked 24 on 24 off, 24 on 24 off. And then we had four days off. Um, so, so we call that the tour and we would have training basically on like fire training, let's say on one of the days of the tour and then maybe EMS training on one of the days of the tour. That was usually how we kind of did it because that way you didn't have, you know, cause every single day trying to do, trying to do, at least in our department, trying to do training was always a cluster, um, to get all the units to meet somewhere to do some sort of event, whatever we we're trying to do for the training for like the fire side or whatever it was always a cluster because all those units that are there are all on, you know, on duty and you're all available for calls. So you get over there, you get everything set up and then so-and-so has to leave cause they got a call and then, you know, and then everybody else is ready to go and the next unit gets a call. And then at some point it became pointless, you know? So we would always try to do on our like fire training day, for instance, we would try to do it really early in the morning. That way we could, cause there usually weren't as many calls in the morning. 
Right, and that's how most apartments work. I mean, for people that don't know, usually what happens when you start your ship is you check out all your equipment, you know, make sure everything's uh, there and ready to go, you know, especially since your new ship's coming on. I mean, because there may be certain things, depending on what truck you're on, you know, whether it's uh, the engine, whether it's, you know, the ladder truck, whether it's, or some people, some people have the towers and the tiller, you know, or the medic unit or just the, the ambulance or the chief's vehicle, whatever, you know, you want to make sure that everything's checked out just in case coming back from a call from the ship prior, they forgot to, you know, replace something or, or whatnot. But, you know, you, you check your rig out, check out all your equipment. You know, if you're carrying drugs, like most medic units do, you, you're checking off, especially your controlled substances, like all your narcotics or benzodiazepines or whatnot. And um, then you're, like Jason said, you're you're doing station duties. If it's not busy, you know, you're, you're cleaning the bay, you know, the big, the big, you know, engine bay or vehicle apparatus bay, you know, you're washing equipment. You're washing the vehicles. You're, you know, you're doing daily duties. Just and then if you get that done quickly, then you can pretty much do what you want. If you're not training, if you don't have any training scheduled that day, yeah. Um, because that's a big part of the job too. When you're not, when you're not, if you're in between calls or if you're not running calls, is is training is is a big thing. You know, and usually that would last a. I can't speak for you, Jason, but. Um, for me, you know, usually lasts till about three o'clock and then anytime after three, it's, you can, and if there's nothing going on, if you're not running a shitload of calls, you can pretty much, you know, do what you want. Whether, like I've said before, whether you're on the computer, whether you're working out, whether you are, um, but actually working out could be used as part of your training. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Uh, you know, or, uh, you know, like a lot, there's a lot of guys that I work with that are, that are these big freaking gamers. And they've got their whole command center set up in their bedroom. You know, if you're in a station where you have your own individual bedroom and they're just playing video games constantly, you know, everybody has their own thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, or you're cooking and, you know, or just watching TV or whatever it is you want to do. You know, you're basically, you know, a paid emergency response insurance policy. You know, you're just basically doing what you would normally do in your life, except you're just waiting you know, just in case those, those tones or those bells go off, you know, you're ready to respond. That's the only difference. Right. And I know we, I know we've touched on this before, but you know, it's, I don't think we talked about it enough the first time. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, like I, I know we, like you just said, I know we did this a little bit before too, but it's like, people don't understand too. Like when you go to work at a, I don't know, some insurance company or whatever, like, you know, and you're in your little cubicles and you're doing your stuff on your computer and you're answering phone calls or dialing out phone calls, stuff like that. When your shift's over, you just get up and leave. You don't need to check your computer every day to make sure all your, I mean, you check to make sure it turns on, but pretty much everything's pretty good. You don't have to take out your own trash. You're not vacuuming your floors or mopping your own floors. You're not going in the break room and cleaning up. I mean, you're cleaning up probably yourself stuff. Like you're not going to like just leave trash everywhere, but you're not worried about like wiping down all your counters and doing all that stuff and make sure all the dishes are done. But in a firehouse situation, or an EMS house or whatever it is, you're, you're in charge of all that. There is no one coming. Like I work for a County, there's no County employee. And we had people obviously that clean like schools and, and admin buildings and stuff like that. They don't come to the fire stations to clean. <laughs> like they might come for certain things. Like if they have to wax floors or something, something with specialty equipment, they might come and do that sometimes every once in a while, but they're not coming every day to like take out your trash and do all that stuff and make sure your dishes are done. There's no one doing that. Um, so you, kind of quickly learn in the fire department how to do all those things. Cause you know, if it needs something needs vacuuming, you're doing it and all that other stuff. 
You know? And that, that it's funny you say waxing floors because that was like probably one of the things that we don't do. Um, and uh, for some reason, it always seemed like whoever was uh, farmed out to, you know, wax the floors like every so often, they always come in the fucking middle of the night. Yeah, well, I mean, that's think about that's it's what like, they do. It's like, though. What, what, who schedules this shit? You yeah, know, but look like, at what? look look at the companies that do that. Like, if a bank, I don't know, I'm just using them as an example. Like, you know, because they're kind of usually like the like the tile floors and stuff like that. So if you're looking at they're something doing like it that, after hours. yeah, yeah, they're doing it when the customers aren't there. So on those kind of companies, those people are. That's probably when they do it. School, same thing. You're a janitor at your high school. Uh, if you can remember high school, I'm pretty old. But like, they weren't out there like power. You know waxing the floors in the middle of the school day, that'd be retarded. So, so they're, they're, you know, they're doing it when the school's closed down and there's like very few people there and they can hit all those parts. So yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Ours would come at like dinner time, and it would, you know, like I said, it might be once a month or once every two months, whatever their schedule was. And they were cool as hell. And they would just be like, Hey man, I'm going to be, I got to do this. It'll be, I'll be t- maybe an hour or whatever. And you're like, okay. And like, what do you need us to do? They're like, no, you just do your thing. I'll try to stay out of your way. I was like, okay. Well, the only problem with, with us was they, they want to, wax the bunk strip and wax the bunk because it's like a six-hour job depending yeah. on the size yeah we had we didn't have that much tile at my station so it wasn't stuff right and they would uh they would uh they would want to do the bunk rooms like when we're sleeping it's like no dude it's like look yeah i'm not trying to interrupt you from doing your job but it's almost midnight and we've got to freaking sleep and you know like i said we respectfully just try to to let them know that but it's like look you can do everything else but you know, you're, you're not touching these bunk rooms because, and they would be okay with that. But then at the same time, they're still making a shitload of noise with the, with the buffer and the, and the fans, you know, and, yeah. all, and the strip and, you know, strip, especially stripping it at first, you know, it's loud. Yeah. And especially if you had a busy day and you're trying to grab the little bit of sleep that you might get that night. Um, it's a, the pain in the ass. Yours I'm not trying to bitch or anything. It's just that's just you know it's just kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to certain things that we can't do or we're not we don't we're not tasked to do on the ship. Well, that's like yeah, because that's kind of like one of those things that we talked about last episode or the episode before with the what I what I called in my department the pleasure palace, where you have like the admin people who don't really they're kind of out of touch with reality as far as like the fire service on the street level. Um, they may be really good at their other job part, the admin part, but those that the people that would schedule that, because why in the world would you schedule someone to come out? Like ours, like I said, ours would come out around dinner times, so like five to seven. Oh, not a big deal. Most of us were in bed at five to seven. <laughs> so, so that was fine. Now, and it, like I said, it wasn't very often, so it was not a big deal. But yeah, if they try to come out at like 10 or 11 at night or 12 or two or one in the morning or something like that, I'd be like, absolutely not. Get the hell out of here. You know, like that's not, that's not okay. Because you like you said, you, your hours of sleep are precious on when you're on a busy, especially if you're at a busy station. You don't have time especially to if it's a, if it's the tail end of a forty-eight hour shift and you're running, you know, you're running, you know, balls to the wall. Yeah, and you're on fumes it, at that point. Yeah, and you're just you're not you're not only running on fumes possibly, but you're just you're very short. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can get aggravated really. Your your fuse is like you know like a little nub. Yep. So, I would, I would have that. I mean, you'd, I'd have that on calls just with just regular calls with patients sometimes, you know, because even those, like we've talked about those patients that are like kind of abusing nine one one, depending how you look at it, whatever. That's how I look at it. Um, those ones that call for non really emergency reasons and your, your fuse at, at three in the morning is a lot different than it is at your first call at nine or seven or something, you know? <laughs> right. Now, how did, uh, when you were still on the job, Jason, how, how did, uh, 
topic we'll get into called uh, mandatory holdover. Okay. Um, how, how did your uh, how did your station work out out of your department? Well, in our in our department, uh, initially it was they well first things first. If someone bangs out for the next day, sick, whatever they're injured, whatever the problem is that they didn't know about, you know, so someone calls in the middle of the night and calls out for whatever reason, they would initially send out um, a text message nowadays because everybody has you know text message phones, um, and they would send that stuff out in, in an email at the same time, and it would go out and say, hey, we're looking for an ALS provider, we're looking for an officer, we're looking for a firefighter, whatever the thing they needed filled would be for tomorrow, for 24 hours or for six hours or for two hours or whatever. And, um, at our department, we had, we had, um, the, the certain members of our department that were like big time, like overtime hogs. Like they would take almost all the shifts cause they loved, they loved doing the overtime and God bless them. Cause I did not, um, like doing a lot of the extra overtime. Um, so that, that worked out for a little while. And then I, as, and we kind of saw this, we all in the street level all kind of saw this coming, but as it kept going on and on, we're like, this isn't going to last very long. Cause these people can't keep doing like 96 hour shifts in a row. <laughs> like that's, you know what I mean? Like you do it every once in a while. Sure. But you can't, you know, you, you could see that they were getting the burnout thing of it. Um, so then eventually um, they came out with um, a, a system where they had like a call out list. So every, everybody on our shift, because we had three shifts, a, B and C shift. So everybody on our shift got put on a list Um and I don't remember how it started. Maybe it was alphabetical. I don't even know. But they had everybody on a list. And then if your name was at the top of the list, first of all, they put out the, the text in the email saying, hey, we're looking for overtime. And then if anybody wants to, they can just call the chief and say, hey, I'll take that. You know, and, and then that's over with. Um, if no one volunteered to take that shift, um, then they went to the what we call the voluntold list. Um, and, on, and then if you were at the top of the list and you matched the criteria of whatever they were looking for, um, they would tell you, hey, uh, no one's taking the shift. So you are working tomorrow uh, an extra 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever it was. Um, and you're going to be at this station riding this apparatus. And barring real good excuses, that was pretty much held to a standard um, and you had to do it. And then once you did that shift, once you accepted the shift, you were then moved to the bottom, very bottom of the list. So let, I don't know how many people we had on our shift. We'll say like 80, I don't know, 90, 80, somewhere in there. So then, then there should technically, after you do that one time, there should be 80 other people or whatever to go through all that crap again before it comes up to your turn. And you could see the, you could see the list because that was one of our things when we first started because there wasn't a lot of um, tr open bookness, trustness with our uh, higher ups. And so we wanted a list that was transparent that we could see so that you knew when you were getting towards the top of the list, you know that like, Hey, don't make plans the day after your shift. Don't, you know, pencil them in, don't, don't lock them in yet. Kind of thing. Right. And that's pretty much how, uh, pretty much how um, my station worked as well. I mean, we would, uh, you know, and people need to understand that that's work. you know, people in this line of work, depending on what type of department you work, you work for, you're, you're considered essential personnel because it's a 24 seven operation. And it's, it's, it's one of those operations where, you know, you can't, you know, you can't uh, leave people hanging, you know, it's, it's, it's a life or death situation. You know, you have to have a certain amount of people to uh, provide a service. Yeah. And like, for instance, for example, uh, that's why the last podcast we did was delayed because I got held over. I, I was, I was held over with mandatory holdover because of, you know, it either happens because somebody calls out sick the day before and they're, you're already short on personnel for the next shift, you know, and, uh, it, 
it just kind of happens like that. And you really, it's one of those things you accept getting into this game because it's going to happen and it happens a lot. Yeah. And it's never, it's never when you want it to happen. It's never the day when you're, you're like, you know, it's what, always I, when you have conquered. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I got shit going on tomorrow. Like what? I'll take some overtime. It's never that day. It's the day when you have plans and you're supposed to be doing something and it could be, you know, at least to you, somewhat important, whatever you have plans to do. Um, and, and that's when you get that call, you know, and then you have to call your friends, your loved ones, your family, whatever, and explain to them like, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm not, not coming home. Yeah. And you may not know until it's almost time for your shift to be over. And that's, that's the part that sucks. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, some, sometimes we'd have the luxury of, um, we're on a 24. So at like dinner time, you'd start getting, you see that email come out. Hey, we're looking for, cause someone banged out for the next day. So you'd see that email come out. Hey, we're looking for an ALS provider you know, or whatever they're looking for. And then, and then you, you get that. Then, then for me, that always gave me like anxiety. Like I would start feeling anxious the rest of the shift. You know what I mean? Cause eventually yeah, they, if, you, were the, you were at the top of the list. Yeah. And they, or even, <laughs> even if you're not at the top of the list, you know, even if you're like the top, let's say you're in the top three, I mean, it could happen because sometimes, you know, there were times I know for me when I was at the top of the list and I got told I had to voluntold to do this. Um, and I got out of it a couple times cause I had like a serious, serious commitment stuff going on that I couldn't get out of and stuff like that. They were, they weren't unreasonable. You know what I mean? So, um, they weren't like holding you at gunpoint to make you do it or whatever. So sometimes you could, you know, do stuff like I had one where I had, you know, bought tickets to a, a football game and I, and I had already planned it, bought the hotel, non-refundable, all this other stuff. And I told the guy, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing it. And he was like, he was like, I was like, I'm going to the WVU game. And he was like, well, you're up on the list. I was like, okay, well. I won't be here. So good luck with that. You know? And I was like, I, there's no way I'm like, I have to, you know, I plan this stuff. I wasn't at the top of the list. So that's why I planned that stuff. But because I was like number three or four or whatever on the list, but it came down to me because other two people had excuses or what. I don't, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there during their phone calls, but I was like, Nope, I'm not up. So I made plans and like, and they were cool. He was like, okay, that's fair. You know? Cause I'm like, I'm not doing this unless you're going to reimburse me $500 or whatever it was, you know, which I know they weren't. So I was like, nope, I'm going. And he was cool with it. And I said, hey, I'll do the next one. I have no problem. I'll do, I'll do one tomorrow if you want me to. Like next shift we're on, just put me on the list. Like just give it to me, you know? So. You know, and that's what, uh, like you said, that's the, that's the part that sucks the most is when uh, it's at the last minute. Like literally, because like, for instance, with my department, you have up until two hours after your shift starts to call out sick. Or oh, that's crazy. Yeah, which uh, I mean, no one that doesn't even make I sense. I don't really know. I don't really know too many people that are you know kind of assholes that would do that unless it was absolutely an emergency. But uh, those that's the that's the part of it that sucks is if it's last minute and say you have you know doctor's appointments or a veterinary appointment or your wife has made plans or you your know, wife has an appointment or your kid has an appointment. I mean, you never know. Yeah. It, yeah. You, it, it just, I mean, it throws a monkey wrench in the whole process, but that's one of those things that, yes, it sucks, but you have to accept because it's going to happen. And when it does happen, yeah, you get freaking pissed off. I yeah. do. Well, we, <laughs> we had a thing, what are you going to do? Well, we had a thing at our department that was kind of funny, like, because we got it, we work seven to seven. Um, and so around after, I'd say after six, I'm talking about when you're about to get off your shift. After about 6 a.m. or so, it was known to not answer the phone, station phone, if, if it rang. Because all the medic people, like, you knew who the, you always knew, I always, 
I knew mainly unless there was like a add in person or whatever, but for the most part, you knew every shift who's coming on tomorrow morning. You know, right. you know, I'm on C shift. So a shift's coming on tomorrow. That's medic John or whatever. And that's medic Susie or whatever. And, and you know who it is and you have their phone numbers because you worked with them before you've talked to them before. So if there's something wrong with them, they're running a little late, they're stuck in traffic, whatever, something like that. They would just call you or text you and be like, Hey, can you hang? I'm, I'm running late. I'm going to be there in like 15 minutes. Like, yeah, no worries. You know what I mean? That's fine. But you knew if that station phone rang, no one that works in the, in our department ever called the station phone for the most part. So if that phone rang, you'd be like, just, Hey, hey no, no, don't answer. Don't answer. You know? And you do something like that because, and then we'd always had like the, we had a, in our department, we had like the little buddy system where like, let's say it's like six thirty-five, and some, some, some reliever people would come in at six thirty, So you would be out of there already. And let's say they were, you could see the other, like, you could see, like, here, you hear the phone ring, whatever, and you can see the clock and you know, it's getting close. And then, um, they'd be like, Hey, uh, I need, is Jason there? And they're like, no, he already left. Chief. <laughs> you know, and do stuff like that. While you're packing your shit. Yeah. Yeah. While you're still there sitting there like that, you're like, I'm not fucking here. I'm not fucking here. Cause maybe your relief came. Like maybe you're like the days like this, I'm talking about your release is already there. So my next medic that's going to take over is already at the station, but he's bang calling me hoping I'm still there because he's going to pull me for overtime at another station that, you know what I mean? And I'd be like, no, no, no. And I would tell him, no, no, fuck no. You know what I mean? And then he'd be like, oh no, he already left chief. And they never called you once you left. Like if you're on your way home, they're not going to call you, you know? So well, let me ask you, let me ask that you something. Was fun. What do you think about getting off, you know, getting off topic for a second, what do you think about some of these Hollywood programs such as Chicago Fire? Uh, I think the other one, the one in Seattle was a ladder, ladder uh, Station 19 or something like that. Um, uh, uh, what's the other one with Rob Lowe? I can't remember what it's called. Something. Uh, I haven't watched any of those. 911 Austin yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's one of those, yeah. But uh, so what, what do you think about those? What do you about what do you think about how accurate? You know, what do you think of the accuracy? Well, I mean, I, I've never I've never watched I don't watch those shows. Like I said, I don't watch like the drama. I don't shows. either because I, I cause... Kept it, like my wife. My, my, I didn't mean to interrupt. My wife binge watches uh, Chicago Fire. You know, yeah. and, and what was the one? What was the old one that everybody liked with Dennis Leary? What was that one? Oh, that was. Uh, that was rescue me, wasn't rescue it? Rescue yeah. me, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was—I know that was a big one. Everybody liked. That was funny shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, I think on the and that that one I remember. I've watched a few episodes of that. I never really got into that stuff, but but um, I definitely never watched. I know what the new ones you're talking about are, but I don't watch them. Um, because I worked. Uh, there's like a dispatch one too that I heard, and I, I worked in dispatch. Like we, I think we've talked about this on the show. I worked there for like two years in dispatch. Like all that stuff is. Some of the stuff is true. Obviously, it's true based. I'm sure. But a lot of it's like over dramatized and not how it really works in real life, and and um, and so I don't I don't really care for them very much. I mean, they're maybe they have good entertainment value for people who like them. That's fine. They're popular shows, some of them for sure. Like Rescue Me was a huge, you know, thing. Um, but they're just not my thing. Now, some of the stuff though, like I believe, like some of like for, and I like I said, I only saw a few episodes, but some of the Rescue Me shows, for instance, I saw back in the day, some of that portrayal of firehouse antics that go on like during a shift. Some of that's real for sure, because we're not like firehouse people are very laid back and very, in my opinion, very laid back and very like just chill and want to have fun all day. And like, cause you're there for 24 hours. If you hate your job, it's a miserable job to work at. <laughs> if you have to be somewhere for 24 hours, a lot different than if you hate your job at the bank and you know, you're going, you know, you only work in seven hours cause you have an hour lunch break or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a, I think one thing that was accurate too, I can't remember which one of these programs it was, but 
especially if you, because uh, some of these programs, they portrayed like a, you know, a split ship where there was a day shift and a night shift. Yeah. And there are places and, uh, that do that. DC does that. Yeah. DC, DC EMS does that. And if you work the night shift where when you get off in the morning, you know, that's basically your evening. Right. You know, a lot of people, not everybody, but there's a good amount of people. One thing that I saw that was kind of true is because I used to do this is, you know, when it came to be late morning, that was, that was your time to, you know, if you were off, you know, you'd hit the bar. Yeah. Or, or whatnot. And, you know, when, when it became like 11, you know, 11, 12 o'clock. And, um, that wasn't uncommon. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've looked at some of these shows, especially because, like I said, because my wife, uh, she started binge watching, I think it's Chicago fire, which I have to admit for, for being one of these shows, I mean, yeah, there's one, there's a lot of things, especially when it comes to the operational aspects, you know, there's a lot of inaccuracies, but as far as certain aspects of station life, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, I've, I've watched it and I've been like, yeah, that's, that, that's pretty accurate. That, that happens such as after you finish your duties, you know, you're chilling out, you know, doing what you want to do, lounging around, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, the one thing that I just can't figure out, especially with some of these is as much access as Hollywood has to, you know, different aspects of, you know, whether it's police, whether it's fire and EMS, whether it's whatever, you know, they, they have, they can get it right. But half the time they don't, as far as how accurate, how certain procedures are done. Yeah. But also I think some of that is because of the entertainment value, because I've said it numerous times on the show. Uh, my favorite show of that type of caliber that we're talking about in this field was paramedics, obviously, because I was a paramedic, but, but um, because that was more reality. Show. Because, yeah. Cause that was real. That particular show was real scenes, real patients. There's no moulage crap. This was like really going on in whatever city they were in. It's just like cops, you know? And, and, and that's why that show was fascinating. And that's why cops was a huge hit for a long time because people were fascinated to see the police work. However, it is an entertainment show. It is there for entertainment value and ad money that they're trying to get. So they're not going to show you the 99 calls before that cool call that were horribly boring, you know, not 911 calls shouldn't have been called 914 or, you know, these ones you can't find the, you know, an auto accident, but you can't find the vehicles because they, they drove off or what it like. And, the, the, you know, those count as calls because you still have to go out there and run around on the highway or whatever. Um, and they didn't show all that stuff. They just showed hit after hit after hit after hit. And you're like, hell yeah, you know what I mean? And then you're like, you know, even even like like I rode volunteer in D.C. once on, a, on an ambulance there. This is when I was in E.T. stuff. Um, and even then we had like our, my first three calls on their shift were amazing. Like they were gunshots and all, so it was awesome. And then, but then we still had, you know, a couple calls in the middle of the night that were kind of cool. And then we had a lot of fluff in the middle that was just bull BS stuff, you know? Right. So like that, that's the difference I think is like, they, that's why they can't show it. They can't just like, I mean, they could obviously, like you said, send a camera crew in and just pick a firehouse and follow those units around all day. They could do that, but then it would be. First of all, I wouldn't want, if I was a medic, I would never want a camera crew in me with me, you know, not to mention HIPAA laws. You got to deal with that paperwork to get that set up too. But I mean, would you want someone watching you over your shoulder all day, you know, <laughs> recording everything you're doing and saying and stuff? No. Because <laughs> we all know. Not at all. Yeah. Because we know, like, I mean, like you said, it's a tough job and people got to like unwind and 
you know, and there's stress jobs or horrible calls you go to, like horrible, like, you know, stuff that deals with kids that pass on and stuff like that. And that stuff hurt. That's hard, you know, and I wouldn't want someone filming me after that, you know, as you're like trying to just deal with it on your way back to the station before you get punched out for another call, you know? Oh yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, I think, like I said, the entertainment value, like I said, they do a good job. I think covering those kind of things, like the stuff is, I can't tell you many hours, uh, like in our, when I was at, uh, one of our main fire stations, uh, where we were a medic unit, but then we were there with like volunteers running the fire trucks and stuff. And we would play like, I mean, we would have the bay doors open cause it was like a double bay or it was like a, I think it was four bays or whatever, but it had doubles. So you could put like an en- engine back to back, a big bay. Um, and it was four bays long of that. And we would open up the doors on both sides and it'd be like a nice night outside. And we play cornhole or something like that till like three in the morning, you know, on teams and stuff like that. Just just killing time basically, but having fun, you know? So it's almost like you're hanging out with your friends and then every once in a while the tones drop and you have to go run out and be a, you know, put on your cape and be a hero. Yeah. And you like, like you said, you play games like cornhole or horseshoes. Yeah. You know, Basket- we, had ba- we had a basketball hoops. We play basketball. Not at night. We don't play basketball at night, but yeah, you have basketball. You have, like you said, you have your PlayStation or your Xbox or whatever system you're like. Certain, certain, yeah. Certain stations have pool tables. You know, yeah. Just stuff like that. Yeah, so you're just doing stuff that, you know, so it's basically like hanging out. Imagine like a, just a relaxing day, hanging out with your buddies. That, that's what it's like in a firehouse for the most part. As long as you have a good crew member, like partnership thing going, pretty much it's that. And then you do the work when you have to do the work kind of thing. So it's a, yeah, so it's different, I guess. But I, yeah, I don't know if they'll ever do a real show. I remember my wife when she saw, or actually, I don't know if she was my wife then. She might, we might have just been engaged, but we were watching like um, the show Paramedics because, like I said, we found a repeat that had repeats on some channel, and uh, she was watching it and she was like, "Oh my gosh!" She's like, "This is." She was like, "What?" You know, we watched the whole show, so it was like I don't know how many calls they showed. Let's say they showed six calls in the hour, and uh, and she's like, "Oh my god, this is like what your this is like what your shift is like. Like you guys do all this stuff," and I was and I was like, "Yeah, but but not they're normally not all like in a row like this." Like we'll have like out of like last night I did one of these calls and then seven that, right. were, that were like, you know, someone, you know, sprained their ankle or broke a finger or something like that aren't super exciting, you know, and then you have, then you have this call here that was like super exciting and then you have all these other ones. So that's usually, that's usually how it went. I used to think of, I used to look at it as the uh, one out of a hundred were like the, the badass calls you would call them that you, everybody wants to run and then you have to pay your dues by doing the other 99, you know? And those those ninety nine always happen in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. <laughs> that is true. Because yeah, at least in our county, you knew if you got a okay. First of all, you knew at six, about six ish, six six to six thirty. That was the that was the window you had to be careful. Like I said, because we switched at seven, six to six thirty. There was usually the interstate ninety five wreck somewhere because we were off ninety five. So, um, so if you got if you got past six thirty, you're usually fine at least until the next shift came on. And obviously you don't care because you're going home, but, but six to six thirty was that window where it's still kind of like dusky out or whatever. People can't see and they just rear in each other, or whatever. And then you have to go out and do that call. And then of course that becomes mandatory overtime. Cause you're not getting off at seven. If you're running a call at six thirty, most likely, cause you have to take them to the hospital and paperwork, and get back and all mm-hmm. that. Um, and then, and then your, your 5 a.m. And I don't know if it's like this where you were, your 5 a.m. Calls are your cardiac arrests. And then, and then they're like, usually you're three, I'd say one, maybe, maybe even one, you're 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. minus that 5 a.m. window there uh, for the, where there, there were, if it was a cardiac, if a chest pain call or anything like that, that was usually a real cardiac arrest at that point. And then your 1 a.m. to whatever time was when late, late morning was when people called out because they didn't want to go to work the next day. 
that's usually what it was. In our, and at least in our department. Wait, what was it like in yours? That was exactly the same way. Yeah. Exactly the same way. Yeah, because people, yeah. I mean, because the cardiac arrest, a lot of people always said, like, why, I know people always ask me, why, do, why are they always at 5 a.m. or whatever? And I was like, oh, well, that's usually when older people who are usually the ones that have random, you know, unfortunately have their uh, cardiac arrest at night, that's usually when their significant other notice, you know, wakes up and notices they're not breathing and whatever, you know, notices that stuff. So that's usually when you get those calls, unfortunately. And then the other stuff is just any time after midnight, you'll start getting people that just don't want to go to work. So they just believe if they call 911, they can go to the hospital and then they can get a note for the next day and they don't have to deal with that the next day. Even though it's like usually something minor. <laughs> no, I agree, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, man, we just had Halloween, man. What'd you do? Did you do anything? No, I, I no, I'd not do anything exciting on Halloween. <laughs> we gave out candy. We gave out candy. My daughter, well, my daughter's at the you age. Go to, you didn't go. You didn't go to any parties or anything like that. No, no, <laughs> no costume. Nothing? No, no, <laughs> no. We just we like uh, we gave out candy in our neighborhood because we have like I don't know our neighborhood has a decent amount like a hundred ish kids, two hundred maybe somewhere in that range that would come through because we have some we have a lot of neighborhoods that are kind of we're in a subdivision kind of place so there's a lot of neighborhoods that connect ours too so they all kind of flood through and do thing and it was a really 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 nice night uh i'm i know in our area they were talking about doing halloween on saturday I, i'm i don't know if your area was doing that or not but a lot of people were talking to it on saturday because obviously you don't have school the next day versus a sunday thing and they uh i'm glad they decided on our area to keep it at the holiday which is what i think it should be anyway um because sa saturday night was horrible it was like pouring rain and wet, gross out and windy and stuff but our sunday was nice so we had all the kids so and our daughter is old enough now where she she go out by herself with her friends, you know? So she's past that. Like you don't have to walk her anymore. So. Well, that's, that's the one thing that's cool is, uh, and it wasn't like this for a while, but for, you know, a lot more kids are coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause it was at least where I live for a while. It was, it was just, it was pretty, it was pretty dead, you know, no pun intended. It was, yeah. uh, it was, you know, especially, you know, during the COVID situation, you know, in the height of it back in 2020, it was uh even before that though it was like there well like when we were kids it's like the streets were mobbed yeah and uh, and now it's just it's uh like they have things now which I think are good they have things called like at least around here where I live like trunk or treat trunk and treat which like people would like handing candy out of their their trunks in like a park like kind of like they're tailgating in the parking lot and oh kids that's cool trick or treating yeah it's it's pretty cool but still at the same time it's not the same yeah it's not the same it's, effect uh, yeah we had like our neighborhood had like um. Our neighborhood always has like a, uh, uh, like a tractor. Like we don't live in a, right. we live in a suburb. Like we don't live near a farm or anything, but somehow they get like a little tractor thing or an ATV or something like that. They'd pull a little trailer and they'd make it up with like hay on it and stuff like that for right. the kids. And then all the kids can go on that. And that thing drives, cause these are for the little kids that, you know, obviously walking like four miles for them is horrible, <laughs> you know? So, and, and especially when they're trying to carry that little, little, uh, um, pumpkin little plastic pumpkin thing of their all their candy you know so they would take them around so you'd see that thing that thing was cool you'd pick, see it pull off and all of a sudden like 30 kids are at your house <laughs> and that was it's always fun seeing them but yeah i agree like during covid time i remember last year we bought i think i bought 70 dollars or 90 dollars in candy for halloween you know you that. well because i like i like i don't do that stuff like here's your one little fun size bar or whatever like i'll give you a handful Dude, i just i just uh 
I just got diabetes from listening to that. Seventy dollars <laughs> was a cancel. A lot of I know. Candy. Well, because well, I because I, I'm I like buy all the bags because I always want to like give the cool candies out. You know what I mean? Not the like candy corn or something cheesy like that. Or like I'm definitely not giving you an apple or whatever. So. Don't mess with the candy corn, man. That's the original shit right, right. there. Come on. You're more than welcome to have all that. Um. So, but but it was funny <laughs> like that. Up. Right but that year I had to actually like return it. Like, cause I, cause I had like, I don't, I don't know how many bags it was. Let's say it was like five bags or something. I don't remember, you know, and they have like those little mixed bags of stuff. And I was done, like pretty much done. I was like, holy crap. Like no one's coming. I mean, there's you know, a few people, like I said, but there were a lot of people that weren't coming out for trick or treating. Cause they were so worried about like touching candy, I guess. And, right. and the only difference for me was normally like when I do trick or treating, like, cause the kids are always very excited. So I'll let them like reach their hand in and take whatever they want. Cause I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm just like, hey, I bought the candy. When it's out, it's out. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Um, right. And obviously, I'm not going to let them like take the whole jar. But I mean, if they want to take like two instead of three or three instead or four instead of three, whatever, that's fine. And and um, with COVID time, obviously, I've made sure I handed them all the candy. So at least I'm the only one touching it as opposed to them with all the germs from all the other kids in there. That was the only difference. But I ended up returning, I, I want to say, two or three bags that year to the I'm store. They let you. No, they, they usually well, was, well, you didn't open the bags. The- well, they're in a bag. They're in those like packs of bags so i just returned it, it took it, took it back well, to i know usually the the halloween purchases it's all, they're all final you know, oh, that, well at least they weren't here at least because i just went and dropped them back off i was like yeah didn't end up needing this much and, you know so i got some of that money back but this year we bought we bought a uh, candy and then like you know there's more people like normal amount of people i would say and everybody was really cool and it's just fine i just like seeing the little kids running around you know well, Halloween's always been my jam though man because uh, i mean I've, ever since i was a kid i love this time of year i love this part of fall up until Halloween, you know, that, that part of the fall, like the beginning of the fall, yeah. you know, and almost to the middle of, you know, right around the middle of the fall, you know, up to Halloween. I love it. And then, you know, when Halloween's over, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. You know, but, uh, why, but no, always, why, 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 why does my, Halloween sick? Why does, Halloween... I don't know, man. I love, it's always been, it's always been my thing. Cause, uh, I love, I mean, I'm a horror movie buff, you know, I mean, I yeah. grew up, my sister and I grew up, you know, obsessed with horror movies and, uh, you know, so that's that's probably part of it. And I just love, uh, I don't know, there's something about it. I love how unique, you know, the unique ideas people have when they come up with some of these costumes. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's true. That's true. And that's, it, it's, it's just, it's just fun to watch. It's a good time. I just, you know, especially being at work, you know, and running calls to certain neighborhoods and whatnot. You see, you know, how creative they get with these decorations. Man, it's just, it's just awesome. I don't know what it is. It's just, I think it just stems from my childhood. I just... But what makes you, yeah. what, 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 I guess what I was asking is what makes you not like after it's over? Like, why does that, no, why do you not, not look forward I, to like anything else after the, to the end of the year? No, I didn't mean it like that. It doesn't uh, mean that I, it means like what my favorite part of the fall, I guess I should yeah. say. It's is, cool. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's fun seeing up like, until Halloween and everything else. Like when Halloween's over, it's just like, yeah, it's still cool. But, uh, you know, it doesn't have that, it doesn't have that spooky spirit in the air if that makes any sense yeah no it's cool i mean i agree i love i love horror movies i love horror movies like i'll watch them all the time my wife cannot stand horror movies i have the so, same problem yeah she i mean she will not watch it like for instance i don't know if she wants me to tell the story but i'll tell it anyway um when we were dating i kept trying to get this is back when um paranormal you better tell that story it's yeah. unscripted. <laughs> i know well we were paranormal activity was the, the the hot movie at the time or whatever um and so, of course, I had it on DVD, you know, because that's what everybody had DVDs back then. And um, and uh, 
I was telling her about it. I was like, hey, you should watch this movie. She's like, no, that's supposed to be really, really scary. I was like, yeah, it's scary, but it's not like it's not like blood and guts and slasher scary. Like, yeah, it's psychological, right? It's all like what you you can take it far in your mind, or you can like not take it. It's kind of your choice, kind of how you deal with it. And she's like, okay. And so one day, whenever we we she came over to my house one day when we were dating, and um, she's like, hey, I want to let's watch that movie. And I was like, you want to watch Paranormal Activity? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, because I've watched it like, I don't know, 50 times or whatever, you know. She was fucked up for days. No, 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 no. So so we because uh, we used to watch The Firehouse with people, too. And it was funny seeing the reactions, whatever. But so, no, she, I was like, sure, you want to watch that movie? I was like, okay. So we you know put it in. We laid there and on the couch and we watched the movie. And uh, and after the movie was over, you know, she was like, hey, that was a that was a really good movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Not obviously not what I was expecting her to say. And um, she's like, no, that, that wasn't bad. Like it was scary, but it wasn't too scary. And it's like you said, and I was like, yeah, that's what I was telling you. Like, it's a good movie. It makes you think about things and like whatever, but it doesn't like, it's not like you're, you know, seeing like Jason Voorhees in your bathroom mirror or something like that, you know? Um, you know, you should get her to watch next. Well, no, no, listen, listen. So then, so then she left, right? Because she, we both lived in, you know, we had our own houses before we were married, obviously. And she left. And then like a day later, I was working the next day. I was sleeping. It was nighttime. And I was working, you know, I'd get up for my shift at seven the next day. And she calls me at like two in the morning. And I'm like, and so, you know, the phone rings. And I'm like, oh God, you know, who's calling me? And I look and I see it's her number. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. Like maybe there's really like a problem or something. So I answer the phone, of course, and she's <laughs> screaming at me. You fucking asshole. And, then, yeah, and I was like, oh, what? You know, because I'm half asleep because I just got woken up. And she's like, you need to watch that movie. And I was like, that was like two days ago. And she's like, yeah, well, tonight it's da, 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 da. And <laughs> I was like, all right. So I stayed on the phone with her and like let her calm down until she fell asleep. And then, you know, then I got up and went to her. So it was just kind of funny. So after that, it was like, anytime I'm like, hey, you want to watch this movie? She's like, no. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Some people don't like horror movies, so that's cool. See, I'm like, uh, I'm like you. I, uh, when it comes to, I mean, I love horror movies, but when it comes to, you know, what type I'm more of the psychological, like my, my forever favorite will always be the original 1978, you know, um, Halloween. Oh, and, the original uh, one. Yeah. 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 The original. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, John Carpenter, you know, starring, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and, um, the famous scream. It, yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a lot. It's not gory. I mean, some people like, for instance, that's the one I try to, to get my wife to watch because you know, like, come on. It's and this was like probably two Halloween's ago. I'm like, come on. You know, I watched this the original at least three times during the Halloween season. I said, just just watch it with me. So she's like, oh, I don't I don't like the gore. I'm like, it's not gory. It's more psychological. Yeah. She's like, all right. So then in the first scene of the movie, when it shows Michael Myers kill his sister you know, back in 1963, you know, kicks off the movie. Yeah, there's there's just a like a little bit of blood it's not gory but she thought it was gory yeah and then she's like she's like nah it's just it's i'm just like what <laughs> did you let her know at that point a uh, paramedic is not in your future well she already <laughs> we always make fun of that because she's always like i couldn't do it she's i'm like why not she's like, i just could deal with all that blood. i'm like well you could uh it's amazing what you could get used to or what you can get used to said, she's no i i couldn't do it i'm like well, why don't you why don't you come do a ride along with me she's like Nope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's one of the, that's one of the things I like, I regret from my career is I should have had my wife come do a ride along or I don't know if she would have been allowed to or not, but like, I should have tried for that more 
Um, at the time it was kind of hard cause we had a little kid and you know, you know, there's a lot of that, like you have to be home and work that out. So there's a lot more working out stuff that would have had to be done on the back end. but I probably should have had her do that. Um, because it, it, you know, it's interesting to see, cause she's now when I talk, she's like, Oh, I could do that job. And I was like, Oh, maybe you could, you know, I say, cause she's done stuff in her career. That's not EMS related that deals with stuff like that gory stuff sometimes. Right. And, um, and so she's, she's like, yeah, I can stomach that stuff. And I was like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a little different. Uh, I, well, I told her, I was like, well, it is a little different though of walking into a room and like seeing a dead body. That's, 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 that's a drama for a lot of people, obviously. And then there's a difference between walking into a room, seeing a, a dead body. And then you have to now work the body, you know, like you have to like do things with the body. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're trying to save the life because maybe they just passed away or whatever. So there's a lot of like, it's a lot different when it's not hands-on versus like seeing the picture or walking into a room and actually seeing a real thing like that, you know, or, or, or just, you know, and I know you've been on calls like this before where uh, you go and do a welfare check with the cops because a family member hasn't been able to, you know, lives across the country saying they can't get a hold of their yeah. their mom or dad that lives by themselves. And, you know, they call the police to you know, do a welfare check. And we always usually go along with them, along with, a, you know, usually an engine as well, just in case we you know, need to breach the, the door. And, um, you know, it could be two weeks they haven't heard from them and it's the middle of the summer and it's a house that has no AC and they died oh. two weeks ago and they've oh. been sitting in that house, you know, roasting for two weeks. Yeah. So not only do you have to deal with what you're seeing, but you, you got a nose too. Yep. And that's gonna, that's gonna be the first thing before you see anything. Oh, you you'll, you'll, you'll know that on the street. Like you'll know oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, if, yeah. If it's really bad, you know it on the street, but then if you, if, if it's not as that bad you'll notice it when you breach the door and as soon as that door pops open and that that wall of just funk hits you like a you know a ton of bricks you know not to be disrespectful right 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 right. it's just it's just something that happens and that's that when it comes to stuff like that that's what a lot of people aside from you know nastiness from car accidents or, or any other types of trauma that's the type of stuff that they a lot of people can't deal with which you know, I can it's under, I can understand that. You know, it's just because you're not only seeing a visual, but you're getting, you know, you're getting the smell. Yeah. And uh, you're getting certain sounds. Yeah. No, and that and that smell that that doesn't that's not something. And I, again, I don't want to be graphic and like no disrespect to the people who have passed on. Um, right. That smell is not something, and you know, maybe hunters know this because they maybe kill animals and stuff, and you probably get that same sort right. of thing. But but like. This is that smell is not something that you will just be like and then leave the scene and never smell again. Like that's something for me. I know when I've, I've been on a few of those calls with like three week old dead people, two week old dead people, those ones that are like, well, you know, past that a little bit. Better than your yeah. Oh, yeah. They're in there and they're in there for like days. Like you'll you'll smell it for days. Well, it's and, the kind of same kind of thing. If you you'll were, be home. You know, you've taken six hours and you're, and you're still yeah. like, oh. Oh, you know, and it, it'll make you like, like one of the calls, like you kind of were talking about, we had one where it was a obvious, most likely an obvious DOA, but the fire department has to go in, right? A medic has to go in right. and verify it. Police believed, you know, common sense showed that it was probably this, but they, ha- they can't, they can't call anything, at least for in our jurisdiction. So we sent a fire guy, a medic, he was a medic, but he was on the fire truck and they were first on the scene. Uh, he went in full SCBA. So he went in full firefighter gear, breathing oxygen, mask on, all that stuff, right? And because of the hideousness, hide, hideousness of this. So he goes in there and verifies that this person's way, way beyond health, you know, and they're, they're, they passed on, you know, multiple weeks ago. And um, 
and 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 he comes out the front door. Eventually, you know, he had to break in through a window or whatever because it was like a welfare check. You know, all the doors were locked. So they broke in through a window. Police were there, obviously. Climbed in, did his thing, and then eventually he comes out the front door. Now we're sitting up. We're sitting at the rest of the units and the fire guys. At least we're all talking at the head, the top of the driveway because the driveway went down a hill slightly, and then the house was there. So we're standing down at the end of the driveway, which is I don't know, fifty feet from the house or sixty feet from the house or something like that. And we're all just talking about whatever because we're going to be probably clear of this call pretty quickly. And, right. um, and then he opens the door and comes out and he's like, he's like, Hey, you know, talking to the Lieutenant who was with us. He's like, Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely like a, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, 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 and we were like, dude, and all of a sudden we're just talking and it's like a nice day out a nice day. And all of a sudden you hear, and all of a sudden that wafting smell just came up and we're like, <laughs> and we're like, dude, shut the fucking door. <laughs> like that. And he's like, Oh, sorry. And he shut the door, you know? And then he was one of those people that wasn't bothered by most of that stuff, but, but he, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, and, and there's another thing that we should probably touch base on and something that I think a lot of people, when, when I first start to talk about it, they might get offended, but they also need to understand that, you know, because of what we're dealing with, there's a lot of measures that we take to kind of keep the sanity. Oh, yeah. And sure. one of those things is when you're when you're witnessing situations like that in real time you you go into joke mode and it's no disrespect towards the deceased it is just a coping mechanism that you just kind of and i can't speak for everybody i can only speak for for me and people that i've worked around i mean for an example like i said for anybody out there that you might take offense to this at first just just hear me out for instance if if we had a call where it was a um you know, a house fire, you know, and there was a, it was a person that, that lived alone and they got trapped in the fire and they literally were incinerated. Right. Um, yeah. It's not a funny situation. It's not something that you want to deal with. You know, it's not something you choose to deal with, but you have to. And, um, you know, some of the things you do to, to kind of keep the sanity and especially because what you're dealing with is, you make jokes yeah. such as say you have a new guy or girl and it's like, Hey, John, come help me with this. All right. All right. What do you want me to do? Say, like, well, we're just going to have to, uh, kind of move him to the side a little bit to, to your left, you know, just so I can get to what's underneath him. Okay. And it's like, you all right now? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the first time you're seeing something like this. Uh, yeah. Like, okay, okay. Well just 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 follow my lead. And then uh when we go to move the uh the body, you know, I'll jump back and be like, Oh shit. <laughs> he, he's he's still fucking breathing. And jump back and be like, What? What what? He's like no, I'm just fucking with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, he's done. Just keep doing, you know, <laughs> just shit like that because you, you have to do that and like that maybe we don't do that in front of bystanders or Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not doing that in front of the family. That is something done. that you're doing with you and somebody else. And because of the just the, the horrific visuals that you're dealing with. Yeah. You you I can, like I said, I can't speak for all people, but you uh, you kind of adapt to the situation and you you make jokes just to keep it light because of what you're dealing with. And um, that's, uh, 
that's a common thing with a lot of providers because it, it, it believe it or not, it actually helps. Oh, it, because, d- it definitely does. And I can't, I can't stress enough. There's, we mean no disrespect towards the deceased, you know, or family members. Like I said, we would never do this in front of bystanders or family members. It's just right. something that if we were in an enclosed area and nobody else is around. It's just something that, you know, it's just something that happens to keep things light. Well, it, just, yeah. And also like when you're in this field, you have to, like, you kind of, I think we kind of talked about this in one of the other episodes, but you have to like have your break-in period too, as a newer member to, to you cause you're going to like, everybody acts like tough or whatever that, you know, oh, nothing's going to bother me, you know, but the first time you see a dead person, um, it, it could just be natural causes. It doesn't have to be anything like gory or anything like that, but like what we're talking about, but on some of those ones, like the first time you see it, 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 it shocks people, you know? And so, yeah, you do have to make fun of it. And it is a little weird, like you said, cause you're like, Am I being disrespectful? You know, you're no, you're not being disrespectful. We're not, you know, you're not doing it in front of, like you said, family and friends and bystanders. Um, but sometimes you do have to, you know, make little cracks because your sanity won't be there if you do that. Otherwise, you'll most people would work like for a year and quit. You know, <laughs> right? Because if you have, and and again, I apologize to anybody out there that may be offended by this. You know, right? But if you, like we were talking about before, say you were doing a welfare check on some that was possibly had died in there and they did the body had been sitting in there for, you know, two weeks, you know, in the summertime with limited AC and, uh, you have a deceased person that is so decomposed from the heat and humidity at that point, you know, or, or decomposed to a certain extent to where you can't tell if it's male or female. Yeah. That's that's a rough thing for a lot of people to see. Yeah. And, and um you know, like I said, to keep it light, you know, jokes like that, in my opinion, are a must in certain situations because you, you gotta keep thing you gotta keep that momentum going, you gotta keep, you know, people's spirits up and the morale up to a certain extent. And you know, that's just something that is something that, that happens, it's something what a lot of us do. Yeah, it it, it 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 works. Well, it's 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 yeah. it's funny, like you said with your your joking with your colleague there, you know about the breathing thing. We had a speaking of welfare checks, we had a welfare check once and um out in the out in the boondocks of our county a little bit, and it was, we were first on the scene by far, um because we were actually in that do that was like our home do, and the engine was coming from way far away because they were coming from another call. Um, so we get to the house and it's a, it's a welfare check. The neighbor called it in. Because they hadn't right. seen the man who lived at this house, older gentleman, hadn't seen him for a week or two weeks, whatever it had been. Um, and she called us because she saw him, she saw him laying in the on the floor in the house, like could she see it through right. the windows? And she was concerned, so she called us. And and of course we're we're get there, we get there before PD and all this other stuff, because um, like I said, it was in our area. So we get there, and so we look, and I'm like, okay, like usually the a lot of welfare checks are not really that big of a deal. Most of the time, it's like yeah, there's no one here, like, you know, or whatever, or they're fine, or what do you know, usually it's not, right. 99% of them are not a big deal. So we get there, and we're like going through the thing, and then she, she's telling us the whole story of this neighbor, and she's like, yeah, you can see him. I was like, oh, I don't see anything, because we're looking through windows and stuff like that. She goes, no, come here, come to this window. And we look through this one window, and you and the, the guy, the guy's house had like two front rooms, this was in the front of the house, had like two front rooms in the front, and then it had like a, like a long hallway, 
with like probably right. bedrooms off off of that hallway. And out of like one of the back bedrooms, the door was open. You could tell the door was open because it was sunny out and you could see the light coming through. You could see feet sticking out of the bedroom, barely into the hallway, and the toes are pointing up. And it's just laying like someone's laying right on their back, just sitting there like that. Right. Laying there. And we're like, oh shit. And so now it's like now this becomes a real call, not just like, oh well, Steve just went away for a week. Like he went on vacation. This is like a real call. So we are looking around trying to get into the house, like checking all the other windows, seeing if there's anything open. Cause obviously uh, um, aside from like prior belief, like we don't want to just break things if we don't have to. Um, right. So we go to the back door. We realize that the, the back, we get to the back door. Cause that's like kind of how we circled the house real quick to look for stuff. Me and my partner. And we find the back door is like going to be the easiest point to get in there or whatever. So my partner, uh, he was a fire, mainly a fire guy. He was like pretty excited about fire department stuff. So he runs to, he's like, Hey, I'm going to go get the you know, Halligan bar or whatever, um, out of the truck to, you know, get in here. And me being the kind of person I am, I love nothing more than like kicking indoors. I love that. Like I live for those days. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, what a sissy, you're going to get a bar. And I was like, and I go like fire department. And I just kicked the door and the whole door just falls over. Right. One kick. <laughs> and, and then he, he comes back. He goes, Jesus Christ. And I was like, yeah, let's go. And I was like, this is a real call. Like this is totally justified. And we called on the radio, told, Hey, let sure we're, we're forcing entry, whatever. And um, we did it all by the book and we, and we, and the house was like a, like on the backside of the house, it was like a split level house. So you had to go up like the little staircase thing. So we got up the, to the staircase. And as soon as I kicked the front door in, like we were talking about before, as soon as I take the first thing I do is like, <sighs> like, no, I don't, I don't smell dead people. You know, like usually, like I said, that, that smell hits you and you know, you walk in the house, you already know what you're doing before you even see anything. But this, I didn't get that smell. So I'm like, oh, that's good. So we walk up the stairs. And I, you know, and you're, even though you're like, you used to this, you're, you're kind of walking up kind of gingerly a little bit. Cause you're like, what, what scene am I going to see here? You know, is it a, a suicide? Like it, what could it be? You know, like kind of thing. And you walk up and we, and we came around the corner, you know, got up into the hallway, went around the corner and turned towards the room. And I'm like, up. Oh. And then you see the guy just laying there, but no blood, nothing like that. Right. And I'm like, uh, and I was like, and I was like, oh, and you right. still couldn't smell anything. No, we didn't smell anything. It smelled like a house. Right. It just smelled like a nice, okay. like, I don't know, normal person's house. Wow. So I was like, yeah, it's like, it's like weird. So we, we, of course we had our, you know, we had our bags cause we got, had all that out our, you know, our aid bags and stuff from when we initially got on the call. So we go in there, bring our bags, throw them down. And I'm like, sir, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And nothing, right? There's nothing. And I, so I'm like shaking his shoulder. I'm like, sir, sir. And then out of the blue, the guy fucking just opens his eyes and goes, sits up, like kind of starts to sit. He's old. Like he's an older guy, like in his eighties. And he starts sitting up a little bit and he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Like that. And I about <laughs> shit, 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 I about shit my pants. Cause, cause that's like the worst nightmare of a, of a medic is you go in there and it's a dead person and they sit, you know what I mean? So, and I go, and I was like, holy, holy fuck. I probably said something horrible, you know, like, holy fuck or whatever. And he's like, and then I was talking to him. I was like, he's like, what, what'd you say? And I was like, Hey, how are you? And he's like, well, I'm fine. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing on the floor? And he's like, oh, I, I, I was getting out of bed and I, and I, 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 you know, he was, I was taking a nap during the day and I fell out of bed. So, and I was like, okay, so are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. It was just kind of comfortable. So I took a nap and I was like, oh, but you're okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And so we checked him out. Of course, did the vital sign check while we were there, let dispatch know and the police know everything. They still had to come because we forced entry, but, but, um, let everybody know, you know, you drop, you don't have to come in here balls to the walls anymore. And, uh, and we're talking to him. He was perfectly fine. No bumps, no bruises, nothing wrong with him. All his vital signs were normal. And I had to tell him like, Hey, and I told him, I said, Hey, I'm really sorry. Your neighbor, 
and he, he knew the neighbor's name and he's like, oh, da, da, da. and I was like, yeah, she told, she called us cause your feet were sticking out into the hallway. So we thought maybe you had, uh, you had, you know, you had died, sir. And he's like, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't die. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad too. And I said, uh, um, your door died downstairs though. <laughs> I said, I destroyed your door downstairs. And he's I can't like, believe that didn't wake him up. No, uh, no, no, it didn't. It, it didn't, not at all. And he goes, he goes, oh, that's okay. My son's a carpenter. He'll come over and get all that done. And I was like, okay. And I was like, you know, cause we have the county insurance. They have insurance for that kind of stuff anyway. But, but I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then it was funny. Like it was like a funny scene. Cause it was like, he was totally fine. Totally. You know, nothing going on at all. That kind of reminds me of uh, the scene. I remember the movie seven. Uh, it's been Morgan a long Freeman. time. <laughs> yeah. Came out in like 1995. It was uh, Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. That was like one of her breakthrough movies before she was a huge star. Yeah. It was uh, It was about, and Kevin Spacey played the serial killer, and it was about, you know, a guy who was uh, killing people based on the seven deadly sins. Right. And um, it reminded me of that one scene when they uh, the SWAT team breaks into that that one apartment. Yeah, I don't know what city they're in. It almost looked like it was Chicago or something. But uh, um, he, they, they see what they think is a a rotting corpse in the bed, you know, and that this person's been dead for a long time. There's all these those car tree air fresheners hanging from the ceiling. There's like at least three hundred of them, you know, yeah. just to cut down on the smell. And then when they, they get closer to the body, the cops get closer to the body, you know, just to, uh, you know, like just look around and see if they could find some sort of identification or whatnot. The corpse takes a massive inhaled breath. It's like, you know, it just scares the shit out of you. Cause here you see something straight out of like the living dead. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and they're still alive. And it, it just, so that, that's what that kind of reminded me of, except minus the rotting corpse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was what was weird is it was like it was totally like because every every med. I don't care who you are and how tough you are. Everybody like I never, and I'm not ashamed to admit this. Whenever I went on like calls that involved like a DOA or a possible DOA or CPR or whatever, that that initial walking in the room of where or wherever you are for the call when you first see the body or the corpse or hopefully not a corpse, but like you know when you first see it, that's always like sort of scary to me sure like like not not scary scary is probably yeah yeah it's probably not the right word but but you're always kind of like all right let's do this and then you get in there and you see it and it's either maybe it's funny or maybe it's not funny or maybe it's gross or maybe it's not gross whatever and then you go right into your role of whatever you have to do for the call but yeah that one was just weird because that guy was like like i mean if he hadn't been sitting with his feet out we probably wouldn't have gone in the house you know (laughs) I mean, maybe would have, I, I don't know, but like definitely when we saw that is sticking out the door, he's laying there. We nudged him. He still didn't answer. We nudged him again. He just sat up. I was like, Holy shit. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, and you're right. You, you don't, that, that first visual of walking into something, especially if it's something like someone who like a, a, someone who committed suicide with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or they, they you know, they basically, you know, took a shotgun blow, you know, like buckshot in the mouth you know, to where that that's, that's going to take their head basically clean off or that portion of their head. And you know, he, like, it's, he, you know, just to break the monotony and when there's no one else around, you, you see that for the first time and you got some of your own people in there, you know, it's not uncommon to make a comment like, damn, that's a different haircut. Yeah. You know, something like that. And, and Maybe you'll also no never forget that. You'll never forget that picture. Right. And you just, you, you, it's a sane keeping mechanism to like, like I said before, to keep it light. And to keep people, you know, 
look, you know, you're going to get through this. You know, and, and when you bring just a little bit of humor to it, it, it's surprising how kind of uplifting in a weird way they can be. And that's one of the reasons why I'm saying all of this is because it's something that happens and it, and it's, it's a coping mechanism and it's something that works. And I can't stress again, it's nothing that's said in front of bystanders, you know, civilians or, uh, or family members. I would never do that. It's just something when it's just a group of my crew in there alone and you're dealing with this and to keep, to keep the, to just, keep everything sane. You got to do stuff like that sometimes. Yeah. We're, we're like, what you're looking at is horrific. Yeah. Or, something that you don't want to see. Yeah. Or like, if you're in there with like law enforcement, a lot of those guys are pretty chill too. Cause they see the same stuff, you know, that we see right. obviously in different things. I remember we had a call once where uh, it was a, a person lived by themselves in like a trailer. We went in and the guy had overdosed and he was dead. He was definitely like dead. He'd been dead for like 12 hours or whatever. Um, you know, estimated like eight to 12 hours, something like that. And, um, he was like, you know, it was obvious. And, uh, and he was sitting in front of it. He was sitting in a chair at his computer. And so we and my partner go in there and I, and, and the way the, the computer was against the wall. So if you came in through the door, the computer's right there on your right hand side, the screen is facing away from the door, if that makes sense. Right. So, right. so we get in there, we're doing the stuff with the patient or well, whatever. We don't know what's going on yet. So we're, we're assessing. We're like, oh yeah, this guy's, this guy's, this is done. This is not, this is a DOA. This is not a working CPR. And we're looking and then the cops are there too. They just come in with us, whatever. So obviously they come in to make sure everything's safe and that, you know, there's not someone there to, to shoot us or whatever. And uh, so the guy comes in and he, the cops in there, he goes in the room first, like half a second before us, whatever. So he's further into the room and we're dealing with the stuff and he goes, and the guy, he's like, he's like, is he, he looks, he looks dead, huh? And I was like, oh yeah, 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 he's done. This guy, this is a DOA. This guy's been dead for a while. And uh, he goes, yeah, he's like, that's what I was thinking, like, you know, six to eight hours or whatever and something like that. And I was like, yeah, probably around there, eight to 12, somewhere in there. And, uh, and he goes, he goes, yeah, I've seen that one. That's a good one. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then we look on the, the screen of the computer and there's a porno on. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like paused or whatever. And so, and so he's like, I've seen that. It's a good one. So it was just one of those things that breaks the monotony. <laughs> totally not professional, obviously. Um, but it was hilarious. And, and no but one was very needed. Yeah. Everybody, we were, it was just the three of us, me, my partner, and the cop. And of course, the, 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 the DOA there. So I guess four of us technically. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just one of those things. And, and then, you know, that's when you're like, all right, you guys are, because I have a lot of friends that are cops and stuff. And, and I had some in the jurisdiction I worked in too. And so you, you get to know them, they get to know you guys and you kind of know who you can joke around around and who you can't and stuff like that. And that guy was cool. Well, I think, uh, and I think I've told this story before. I'm just gonna make it quick. Uh, You know, I've gotten in trouble for that before for, for, for doing what we've been talking about, not by people who get it or who know about it or not by family member bystanders. It was, I think, like I said, I think I've explained this story before in a previous podcast, but I'll just be quick. It was, uh, there was a training class outside of work that someone used like one of those situations and mentioned my name Mm -hmm. on, you know, as that they thought it was amazing how using, you know, kind of spirit lifting tactics like that during horrific situations, how they thought it was great 
how it worked and how we kept the sanity by doing that in certain situations. Sure. And there was another person in the class that was probably, they weren't, you know, fire EMS personnel. They were probably some sort of hospital personnel or somebody outside the system. And they were appalled. So they wrote letters up and down throughout my department until it trickled back down to me. And because of the optics of the situation and because of who the person wrote letters to, everybody that they wrote letters to got it because they'd been in situations like that before. But because someone on the outside heard about it six months to a year later, it, you know, that was the, that was the negative effect of it. I, you know, I had to write a letter of apology and, you know, but just because of how far up the chain it went. Well, yeah. And there, but that's true. That's an interesting point because there's a huge difference between like what you and I are talking about in the EMS field. Right. And right. the same exact situation minus like a shooting or something like that, but people die in hospitals every day. So right. someone passes on in a hospital, that's a way different scene than someone dying in the field because in a hospital, the doctors, like you said, or the nurses or techs, whoever, whoever this person was that, that reported you, um, and, and felt offended by what you said in their jurisdiction of a hospital, even if they're in like a trauma room, like trauma room one, or like one of those big rooms that are usually where you go for your CPRs and stuff like that. When you bring them in on EMS, those doctors in there, I'm not saying that doctors definitely have a sense of humor for sure. And there's definitely like some stuff said there that, you know, when the person's done, you're like, Oh, look at that. You know, like, you know, whatever um, that you see, but, but it's more monotone down because all the, you know, like, like the ER we went to, um, our main ER, a big ER, that was a 50 bed ER. So there's a lot of people and that was packed like every night. So there's a ton of people in that ER. Like I'm not, right. ta- I'm not talking about just people that work there. I'm talking about like civilians walking around, you know, in the room next to you in the room across the hall, whatever. So you got to be a lot more careful there with your, what you say, you know, you got to be, you know, there's a lot, a lot more people watching you when you're on a scene with EMS most of the time, if it's something like that, a shooting or something DOA like that. It's you, like I said, maybe the cops, possibly a family member could be, that, that could be there, but you know, you don't, you know, that's all different, just different circumstances, but that's it. So as long as you're not around them, you know, and I think it's also different because in a hospital setting, when something happens like that, you have, you know, 10 people in the room with you that can help you get through stuff as far as dealing with it mentally. Um, you know, when you realize it's a, a DOA or someone just died in, in, you know, trauma room four or whatever like that. Whereas with EMS, it's like us and maybe like, maybe it's just, it might just be you and your partner. It might just be you, your partner and a cop. It might be you, your partner and a cop and, a, and one firefighter that came in, you know, cause you don't want to bring all the people in on a crime scene or whatever, a potential crime scene anyway. Um, so like, that's a lot less people that you can, and you're and, and, uh, uh, cops and firefighters don't hang out like. I'm not saying you can't, but most cops don't come and sit at the firehouse for 24 hours. They're, they're, they're out running their streets and doing the stuff they got to do. So you might see, you might talk to them for a little while, but then they're going to go. Your partner's there the whole shift, or maybe your partner and some fire guys, depending on where you're stationed at, you know? So it's a lot different setting too. So I think, I think you need the. the All right. But it happens in the hospital as well. Oh, I, mean, I know it does. I know it when, does. It, when it, when it comes to like, say ICUs in, on like, and you're on like the night shift. That's true. Like that. That's true. And, 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 and there's it's, it's visiting hours are not, you know, there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people you're there and a lot of things happen in the middle of the night Yeah. and it's the same type of thing, you know, it's just amongst themselves, you know, just 
same keeping tactics. And, and uh, but you, like I said, when it comes to stuff like that, you just have to be aware of your surroundings. Um, and because uh, there are people that think completely different of stuff like, you know, they're, they are offended, even if they are in the medical field. Well, yeah, but, he, but, but also, are they new in the medical field? What do they do in the medical field? Because there's a different, big, big, big difference between like, excuse me, working as like a, in a, a, a tech at like a doctor's office or a urgent right. care or something like that, where it's like minimal stuff coming in there. That's a, that's a big difference between working at like the major trauma center in your area where you see stuff all day long and you see people dying all the time. And that's a big difference, you know, or if you're admin, like if you're one of those admin people that come around and like take your registration information and that kind of stuff. Like those people to them, if they, maybe they have to be like, I don't know, CPR certified or something for their jobs. So they go take these CPR classes with all these medics who are joking around being like, Oh, look at this, you know? And then they're like, Oh God, be respectful. These are dead. This is supposed to be a dead person, you know? And you're like, you know? Yeah. It's just, like I said, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that in certain situations, it's been completely helpful but yeah. like i said you just yeah. need to be aware of who you're with and what your surroundings are well you, but, uh, yeah we've talked about that before too you have to have your like your sounding board people to vent to right. and a lot of times it's fellow like paramedics and stuff like that uh, or fellow nurses if you're a nurse whatever people that are on your level of care usually because they can sympathize with what you're going through but you also have like you know like we and you and me have both talked about our wives you know, become sort right. of a sounding board. Uh, sometimes even when, they, even when they don't want it because they just have to, like, you have to vent to somebody, you know, to keep your sanity. And then once you've done that, you can, you know, then you don't care. I mean, you're, it's not that you don't care, but you're like ready to go again, you know? Word up, brother. Yeah. Cause I remember, I remember when I got into like, uh, when I got into real estate, when I moved and got into real estate and I was doing like, um, you know, you're introducing yourself in front of the group of people at your right. at, at the, uh, brokerage I work for and you're going through everything. And you, you know, of course I told people, you know, I was a paramedic firefighter and I just moved down here, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and they're like, and then after, you know, everybody's like, hi. And then you go around other people talk. And then eventually after everybody was done and we were kind of like breaking down the group or whatever, like getting, getting ready to pack up basically from what we were doing. Um, one of the girls that was newer, she came up to me and she's like, and she's like, you're, you're a paramedic. And I was like, yeah. For like 20 years, you know, and she's like, she's like, have, have you seen, have you seen dead people? Like, th- because the, she never met somebody that had done it, I guess, you know? And I was like, oh yeah. Like, like, and, and she's like, how, how many, how many dead people? Have you seen? And t- I was like, I was like in 20 years, uh, thousands. I have no idea. Like, I don't count them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, think about all the DOAs we go to and car wrecks and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, probably a thousands. And she goes, whoa. Like, and that was, but she was younger. She was a younger, you know, she was younger. She was like 18 or 19 or something. But to her, like, that was like, like that, just that blew her mind. You know what I mean? Like that some, you know. Well, and there's always people like that. And they, and I'm sure we've talked about this before. So forgive me if we repeat ourselves, but um, there's a lot of people, the common question I get asked, especially the people that as soon as they find out what you do and they are curious and because they really are curious, they'll be like, so what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Oh yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I said, there's been a lot of things, but to me, and I'm the worst, it's not the most gruesome thing. It's the, it's the screwed up stuff. It's, it's the stuff that just defies any type of logic. It, it's the, uh, 
like for instance, it's it's the person that you know you run to, you you get on scene of a car accident, and it's like a compact car that looks like a cardboard crushed cardboard box, literally. Yeah. And you know you you're expecting you're going to be you know either someone was ejected or somehow or or they're just crushed in there along with the metal. Right. But they're walking around on the street. Yeah. You think like, that they're you think that they're a bystander? It's like well, and, and you you're looking around and it's like was this a parked car? What the fuck's going on? You're right, right. You know, it's like, and then, uh, it's like, who, it's like, uh, was anybody in this car? And then you see someone walking around, yeah, me, dude. It's like, you were driving this car? How is that even possible? Yeah. You know, how, and, and, and they don't have a scratch on them except maybe like a, you know, a laceration on their forearm or something like that. And, and that's the type of stuff, that's what messes with my head. Yeah. Know, that type of stuff because it's like, how is that even possible? How it's like you're looking at this like crushed accordion vehicle, and then you're looking at this dude walking around who basically has a cut arm. Yeah, and it, and it's it's just like what the fuck? Yeah, it defies you know? it defies logic. And you look at that person like, do you and, fucking and know how lucky you are? And I've run a you know bunch like that to where in and I'm sure I've said one or two of these stories before, but it's just that's the type of stuff. So when people ask me, Yo, what's the what's the nastiest thing you've ever seen? I'm like. And to me, it's not nasty. It's the freaky shit like that. That I'm just like, what the the fuck is going on here? Well, and that's true because, (laughs) yeah, because if you've been in the field long enough, like, and you, you you know, you've been longer than me, uh, you've seen the nasty shit. You've seen the insert nasty shit here. Like you've seen all that before. So once you've seen it once or twice, it kind of becomes like, you know, they're like, oh, look, dude, that thing, his bone's sticking out. You're like, yeah. Okay. Like you just kind of like, it doesn't like impress you anymore, you know, like it, 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 which is sad to say, and I don't mean any disrespect by it, but you just kind of become numb to that. So when you see something like that, that you're like, you, and you've probably seen that exact same situation that you just described with the card that looks like a cardboard box a hundred other times with someone, yeah. with someone dead inside there. Yeah. And telling that story, I probably mixed them all up a little bit. Right, right, right. I, you, I, didn't, you, I didn't want to give a specific example, but, sure. it, it, but the basis of that is, you know, it's a, it's a call like that that defies like all laws of physics yeah you know and it and it it it's like like i said before it's like well, what the hell is going on here it's like how is this really happening right now because there's this am i am i being freaking punked or something because how is this dude there's a space that used to be a car that's smaller than the dude yeah and he's walking around with a like a scratch yeah like how is it that i mean the, you know the first thing you think of is like that's got to be some sort of divine intervention. Like, yeah, yeah, you got to. What other explanation is there? Yeah, you know, unless he was launched out, which right, that's that's what I would think. And he got ejected prior to all that con- compaction, you know, right? <laughs> and got lucky. So, if, 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 so, if anybody ever asked me that, or if anybody knows me that's listening, and, and you know that that's it, that's the freaky shit for me. It's not the nastiness. It's it's the it's the just the unexplained yeah for me and, for uh, me it's definitely like the the uh, 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 like the gory stories like that kind of stuff i do like that stuff like the unique ones like we said i don't like it but i'm saying like when people ask that question to me but it is also hard you're, to because you're a sick bitch yeah i know but it is also like it's <laughs> hard it's hard to like describe it to people though because like you said it's not just what you see it's it's what you see it's what you smell it's what the site like you said the psychology behind all that stuff that's going into it like you know just weird shit. Like you're like, Oh my God, what was going on on this call? I can't believe 
someone did this or, you know, what was going through their mind or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, like stuff like that, you know, and that, and I was, and I was known to be like, you know, open-ended talking to my patients. Like I remember we had a guy that uh, he was trying, he was attempting suicide and he shot himself in the head. Right. And we get there. This is a, this is a mutual aid to a area next to ours, to a jurisdiction next to ours. So we, the fire trucks on the scene, ALS fire trucks, they got a medic on their crew. And uh, we pull up as the medic, the tr- going to be the transport medic, obviously, because we have a, a medic unit. And we get there and they're talking to the guy and I can see the patients a- alive. And we knew it was a shooting, attempted suicide to be a shooting. And I'm looking and, I, and there's blood and stuff like that, you know, stuff like that, normal stuff. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, oh, oh shit, he, he's alive. Like he's like, he's not unconscious. You know what I mean? He's conscious. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, and they're like, oh yeah, he'll, he'll talk. He can talk to you. I'm like, he can talk to me. I'm like, oh, okay. What, what do you use? Like, what do you use? Like a little 22 or something like that. And that's what I figured he used, right? Something stupid like that. And, uh, and then he's like, no, he, he goes, no, it was a 45. And I was like, what? what? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was my thing. I was like, what the fuck? So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, I'm that talking to this exactly dude. Exactly what I'm talking about. So we, they were packaging him up, which means they're putting him on a backboard and, you know, keeping him immobilizing him for transport. Right. And where, where, where was, where was the wound at? His head. He shot himself in the head. And, oh, uh, where I know that where, uh, side of the head. So I don't remember which Jeez. side. Yeah. So I'm like, Holy fuck. Cause I'm like, because I like if you said it was a 22, I'd believe maybe it like ricocheted or, you know, because 22s are, you know, I'm not saying anybody should shoot anybody, but but obviously that's not always going to get the job done, so to speak. Uh, 45, on the other hand, you know, will do some damage. So we we and then so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe do damage behind that person and behind that, per- you know, it's kind of thing. So we go we get eventually we get him down into the yeah, we have a cot and stuff. And we get him into the unit, whatever. And the fire got one of the fire medics, I think, came with me or whatever. And, um, so we're in the back doing our normal shit and, uh, and I'm talking to the patient, you know, cause he's, he's like fully A and O times three, which means alert and orient times three. He knows, you know, who he is, where he is and what day it is and all that stuff. So I'm talking to the guy and I'm like, dude, you, I said, do you know how fucking lucky you are? He's like, yeah. And he's like, but I can't feel my legs. And we, he told us this on the scene too. I just didn't tell that part of the story yet. So he said, oh, yeah, but I can't feel my legs. And he's like, and I was like, all right, well then let's get you to the hospital, man. And they can do some checks and stuff. I like got and see what's going on. And he's like, do you think I'm, do you think I'm paralyzed? Do you think I'm paralyzed? Going to be paralyzed? I was like, dude, I have no way of knowing, but like, let's get you to the hospital. Let's not worry about that right now. First, let's make get you to the hospital, make sure you're still alive. And then, and then let them deal. You know, they, the doctors can go over that stuff with you. Cause I have no way of obviously doing anything with that. And yeah, I'd be thinking that was like a walking corpse right there. And I'm like, am I really seeing this? Or yeah, this- yeah, yeah. So I'm looking, so I go, I'm, I'm talking to the guy and I go, <laughs> I go, Hey man, do you, cause you know, anybody that knows me, you know, I like, I'll just ask questions. It doesn't always have to be like by the book, so to speak. So I was asking him and I was like, Hey, uh, if you don't mind me asking, why did you do this? Cause I always like to get into like the, the you know, the mind, you know, you want to understand like what drove someone. You, to mean, this you point. mean you're trying to, you're trying to get in his head. Yeah. Yeah. But to... not, not literally, but like, yeah, yeah. But you know, <laughs> you know, no, I mean, no pun intended. Not, that's the type of joke I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Keep, so keep I was, in a light. I was talking to him. Well, I was talking to him and I said, I said, uh, cause he, 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 he thanked me while we were in the back. Cause after we had that conversation about, is he going to you know, be paralyzed for the rest of his life? Cause he was like, am I going to die? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. I was like, you're not dead now. Your vital signs are all great. That's and we're doing, and we're doing everything we can. And he's like, am I going to be paralyzed for the rest of my life? And I was like, dude, to be honest, I said, I don't know. You, you can't feel anything now. That's obviously not good, but, but like, 
let's let's let the doctors look at you and they can they can give you more stuff down the road as they do more tests. And he's like, hey, man, I want to thank you for um, being so honest with me, you know, and not candy coating stuff. I'm like, no, I don't I don't candy coat. You know, that's not something I've ever done. Like, I don't play that game. And I like to be honest with my patients if they're if they want honesty. You know what I mean? Right. And I said, so let me ask you a question. He's like, what's that? I was like, I was like, you know, if you don't mind asking, what, why'd you do it? And he goes, and he goes, uh, it was over a girl. My girlfriend just dumped me. And I was like, oh. How old was he? He was like, we'll say like late 20s, we'll say. Like oh, mid, mid-20s, like 25, maybe something. I don't remember, but like young guy. And I go, all right. I was like, well, that, that was kind of dumb. You know, don't you think? And he's like, yeah. I was like, because, dude, there's a lot of girls out there. Yeah, you want to tell people, especially that young, even though, I mean, everybody's going through their own stuff and they don't see it at the time. But you want to tell them. It's like so bad sometimes that that's a permanent you know, solution for a temporary problem. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I you told him. I, Cause I said, I said, well, you're like bummed, you know, that your girl dumped you. And I said, he said, yeah. And I said, all right, that's fair, man. We've all been there. I've been there many times, you know, I said, right. but, but I said, uh, I don't, I don't think you thought this through. And he goes, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I don't want to be crass or anything, but you're, you're paralyzed from the waist down. So not, not right now your dick don't work. And I was like, so if he was, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, did you think this through in the future? You know what I mean? Did you, you tell him that? Oh yeah. I, yeah, I did. Absolutely. And, and, and he was like, he was like, he's like, yeah, I never thought about that. And then he's like, oh, that's horrible. No, I know. But I was like trying to like get, cause like, like you said, he's a young kid. He needs to not, I was hoping he wouldn't do this. I didn't want him, him to have any problems in the future. Anyway, fast yeah. forward, we get him to the hospital you know, they, the ER takes them in the doctor do, you know, we do whatever they do all the stuff. So I go and write my report in the EMS room, which I think we talked about before is a little room where EMS people can go and it's got drinks and food and snacks and go in there and you write reports. And then we turn in the report to the hospital. So they have a record of everything we did. It goes into the patient's permanent record, blah, blah, blah. So right. we're walking back. I'm walking back and I see the doc. I mean, this ER, like I said, had 50 beds. So I think it had like six or seven docs that worked there. So I see the doc that was my doc, you know, for the, for the call. And so I go up and I'm like, Hey, d- Hey doc, any, any updates on a uh, room, whatever trauma one or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, come here. Check this out. Check this out. And, and he shows me the x-ray because they already did x-rays, of course, by this point. And he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, look at this. And I was like, whoa. And he, I go, what the fuck? And he goes, yeah, look. He's like, it barely, like, see right here? And he's showing me a picture of his skull, his, his x-ray of his skull. And he's like, yeah, look, see right here? They see that little fracture? And I was like, yeah. He's like, that's where the bullet hit. And then it just ricocheted off. A forty-five round. Yeah, that, that uh, I, it was a definitely it was definitely a forty-five. Verified the police. What, it just it just kind of skim off. Yeah, so that's like, so do, I was like, like do a side swipe or something. Yeah, yeah, basically. So I go, I go, I, and, and so I'm looking at the doc, and I'm like, I'm like, because I, you know, X, we don't, we don't, we don't do X-rays as paramedics. So I'm like, tell me what I'm seeing. I mean, I can obviously see there's a thing. I was like, what is that? And he's like, well, that's where the bullet hit. And I'm like, okay. And he's so like, basically, that was the same as a as blunt trauma. To the basically, I mean, it is. Yeah. I mean, a gun, a gunshot is blunt trauma. Well, no, know, I mean, I mean, like, like almost like the way the way the the round affected the skull. It's almost like like he got hit hit yeah. the head with a bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I asked yeah. him. I said, I said, so wait a minute, wait, 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 where's where's the bullet? And he's like, well, it's not there, it deflected or whatever. And I'm like, a forty five. And he's like, I was like, wow. Holy shit. And I go, what? So what do you think happened? He goes, oh, dude, the guy was putting the gun to the side of his head to pull the trigger, like on whatever angle he was doing it at. Like that's for forensic people to figure out. But he's like, they had it at the side. And as he was pulling the trigger, he pulled away, like from the pulling the trigger motion, he flinched 
Well, he either flinched or like pulled himself away when he was pulling the, you know, with his finger. You know what I mean? Like it pulled the gun to the side a little bit. So it barely just grazed off his skull. And I was yeah. like, and I, and I was like, holy shit. You're like, what a lucky motherfucker. And I go, and I go, but doc, 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 he said he couldn't, he had, he, and the doctor obviously verified this all when we got there, but he's like, I was like, yeah, but he said he couldn't feel his legs and all this shit. He goes, oh, he'll, he'll, I mean, we don't know for a fact yet, but he said, he'll probably be fine. He's like, once the swelling goes down, they'll do the surgery to get the bone fragment, get rid of that, you know, cause it was just like slightly in there a little bit. And he was like, he's like, yeah, once they do that and stuff and the swelling goes down, he'll, he might, he could very well have a full recovery. And I was like, holy Crazy. shit, you know? And then, and that's where like, I was you know, kind of happy that I talked to him and answered his questions the way I did and stuff like that. Because I'm like, well, I hope the guy doesn't do that stupid thing again. You know? Right. Cause that was like obviously horrible, but I, that was one of those calls. Like kind of what you said, where you're just like doing this for a long time, been on tons of gunshot wounds, been on, you know, tons of those calls. And I was just like looking at this one going, what the fuck? <laughs> no. And that's, 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 uh, that's some crazy shit, man. Yeah. And on that note, let's wrap this shit up, bro. All right, man. Well, we definitely did a lot of stuff here. We definitely talked about a lot of things. Um, just quick housekeeping again. We appreciate everybody for listening in. We'd be getting more and more views and more and more listens to our, uh, uh, listen to our podcast. And then people sometimes like to view it, AKA listen to it through YouTube. And we appreciate that as well. Keep telling your friends, keep telling your colleagues, if you're a paramedic or EMS person or medical field of anything, um, fire. Fire as well. Yeah. So thanks for all that, the, that support. And, uh, obviously if you want to contribute to our podcast and help us out, cause we are putting this on by ourselves with our own money. Um, we, we, uh, gladly accept like coffees and stuff and, uh, donations. And if you want to be a member, we'll give you a lot of perks with that. And you want a sticker, you can get that as well. Um, but other than that, Bobby, you have anything else you want to add this week? Oh man, I think I'm good. All I think right. I'm good. All right, man. Well, that's it then. We are done with episode number nine, and we will see you next week on Paramedics. Completely twisted. Let's try that again. Paramedics. Come on, man. That's good, brother. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, the viewers want the real stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paramedics. Unscripted. Unscripted.